Wow. Isn't that awesome? I just love that. Uh, what a treat to be able to see all these wonderful faces that for so long we were accustomed to seeing each and every week, uh, whether it's the children up here listening to Mrs. April or, or Mr. Kevin, or it's the, the folks that we typically see leading us in worship. What a blessing to be able to see them today. Uh, it's just something that really enriches and encourages me. I hope it does for you as well, because it's indicative of all the faces that I, I hope to see again soon, um, and I hope we all recognize just the value of being able to be together and continue to anticipate when that day can occur. Uh, I obviously want to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, what an opportunity uh, for us to celebrate moms this morning, and I hope that those unique elements to our worship service have encouraged you uh, we know that Mother's Day is a very special day, and, and as we mentioned in the announcements, it's really an opportunity for us to celebrate not just the moms, but really all the ladies that are part of our church. And uh, we, we say that because we know that uh, it, a lot of people play special roles in people's lives, right, in, in different ways, and we have those relationships that materialize in a lot of different contexts and settings. And it's also something that we, we say every year that we, we recognize that people approach a day like today with different emotions and different feelings. Uh, obviously, we hope that uh, all the ladies in your life that are special or important are celebrated and appreciated. Uh, but we do know that there are some people today that maybe there's a, a, a hint of sadness because you are missing your mom or, or wishing you could still see your mom. Uh, some people out there uh, have desired to be a mom and that hasn't materialized yet. And, and that creates a sort of challenge. We have others that Unfortunately, the relationship with their mother is estranged and, and perhaps difficult. And so we have a gamut of emotions and experiences. And the reality is, is that we want to acknowledge all of you. And, and part of what makes that song that was just sung so meaningful is the message that it conveys, right? That no matter how we approach a day like today, the truth that we're here to discover this morning is that we're all God's children, every single one of us. And he has chosen us. He has not forsaken us. He is for us. He is not against us. We are his. And, and that is such a beautiful thing to behold and a wonderful thing to celebrate. But we do want to celebrate you. And you heard Miss April mention earlier that this morning, uh, many of the ladies at, in our church, hopefully all of them, were able to receive an email with a special gift from us to you. And, and we kind of brainstormed on this, and so I need to give you a little bit of detail so that you understand how to use this. If you didn't get the email, let us know. Check your spam folder, wherever it may be. And if you didn't, then you can reach out to Sarah at ubcfortworth.org. We'll make sure that we have her contact information readily uh, available for you. But essentially what we decided to do was to support you, encourage you, but also support a local business. Uh, many people around here love Dwell Coffee Shop and Biscuits. They've got a Fort Worth location. They've got a Burleson location. And it's, it's a favorite. And so we have purchased a gift card that we are sharing as a church. And we are going to ask that you uh, utilize that for one free drink and one biscuit or biscuit sandwich. It, it, it averages out to about $12. And so that's our gift from us to you. You can get the details on how you can utilize that gift uh, in that email. Again, if you need those instructions, please reach out to us. Now, if you need more incentive, right, as if free coffee and a free biscuit isn't enough, let me also tell you that our missions committee has come alongside and said, we're going to match every dollar that is used on that gift card by matching $2 for some of our missional efforts 
uh, that are focused on this community response in relation to the coronavirus. So they're going to they're gonna match some of your utilization of, of this gift card to continue to support food distribution, the Presbyterian Night Shelter, the mentoring program, and any of those needs that are so readily important right now in this season. Uh, so that's another reason for you to make sure you utilize this opportunity. Uh, but what a wonderful way for us to, to celebrate moms. Now, before we get into today's message, I have several updates for you. So I need you to, to kind of dial in and focus in for a moment and, and, and bear with me before we get to the text this morning. But there are some pretty important updates. Uh, we shared last week the results of our survey trying to get a sense on, on how everybody feels right now about reopening and, and finding time to convene together. And your information was so helpful and so beneficial, and we, we have taken that into an account. And now we have put together a tentative plan, and the staff is, is still working on the details of that plan, and I will emphasize that it is tentative. Uh, but we hope to reveal some of those details next week, next Sunday. And uh, what we're going to want is, is to lay that out for you, but we're going to still want your feedback. And we want to create a space and an opportunity for us to have a discussion, even if it has to be virtually. So Wednesday, May 20th, I want you to mark that down. During our normal prayer gathering time, we're going to create kind of a virtual Q&A experience where you can come in, you will have seen the, the kind of schedule and the plan that we're, we're formulating, and we're going to give you a chance to provide your questions, your suggestions, your feedback. And so make sure you set that, aside, that time aside. It'll still be 6.30. If you can't join us at that time, You'll be able to go back and watch the video. We'll record it. It'll stay up on our Facebook page. But we want to make sure that you have that earmarked on your calendar so that you can make sure to participate in that because we're going to want your feedback. Now, in addition to that, <clears throat> this previous survey uh, revealed a, a couple of things to us that, that were also important. While we all know that we need to, to kind of be patient with regathering and reconvening, we also uh, want to continue to move forward by putting these plans together in a way that's informative and well thought out. And so in that last survey, we, we know that at least uh, somewhere between 35 to 40% of our congregation is, is not in the vulnerable demographic. They, they don't have anyone in their family that, that they are worried about in that regard. And so they're a little bit more, uh, I guess, available to kind of help with some of these preparations. And so what we would love for, for you to do is that if you fall in that demographic and you would be willing to, to help us out kind of formalize some of these, these plans that we want to begin to work through. If you could just reach out to us, uh, again, you can, you can email me, Jeremiah, at ubcfortworth.org. Again, Sarah is a great place to, to email since you already have her email this morning. Uh, but we would just like to know those of you that might be willing to help, because here's what we know. No matter what kind of plans we put in place, it, until we, we kind of test run them, we're going to learn a lot more. And so what we would love for you to do, your benefit, is that if you, and we're going to keep these numbers incredibly small, but if you wanted to come and, and be a part of one of the services that we provide here in this virtual platform, um, just a, a few families or a few couples or whatever can come in and help us think through some of the logistics that are going to be harder for us to really anticipate until we actually have people with us. And so if you want to be a part of that, man, we would love to have you uh, help us in that regard. So reach out and let us know. Now, the other thing that I want to continue to encourage is that while all that is, is moving forward, there's another component to what it means to be a church that I really want to emphasize. Uh, I want to call your attention again to the essential nature of discipleship groups. Uh, D groups are really the heart and soul of, of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus, right? To, to live in a discipleship relationship with others, but also being challenged to to disciple others. And so that's a really critical component to who we are as a church. 
And the reality is, is I think it will be kind of the next wave for us to experience community together in a safe way and in a reasonable way, right? So let me explain that from this perspective. I think it's gonna be quite a while before we are able to function here on this campus like we used to, right? If you, if you remember what Sunday mornings used to look like where we had all the Sunday Connect groups here early and then we all gathered in for one service, I think that's, that's in the pretty distant future. And so what we need to begin to consider is these incremental steps. And what's beautiful about discipleship groups is the functionality of them allow us to maintain connectivity in a very small controlled group. Uh, the capped size of a discipleship group is 12. Most of them are at eight to 10. And, and that allows you to figure out very safe uh, ways for you to meet together, but not on this campus. And so what I'm asking you to do is in your discipleship group, start asking the question, when could we possibly explore meeting together? Like for example, maybe you show up at somebody's house and you, you bring your lawn chair and you sit out on the front lawn six feet apart, but you have the opportunity to, to no longer stare at a screen and be on a Zoom call. As great as those are, we've got to reconnect. And discipleship groups give us that opportunity and, and they bring us back into that essential element of what it means to be a Christ follower, which is to grow in discipleship. And so we're not saying you have to do this. We're not saying you must meet in person. What we're asking is start having the conversation. And then whatever your group decides, if, if you're ready, if you're comfortable, man, I think that's something that you begin to explore. I, I think you can do it well. I think you can do it safely and do it reasonably. But that, I think that's going to be a, a big component to what the next wave of reopening our church really begins to look like. So there's a lot that's going on uh, in the life of this church and a lot to celebrate today. We wanna celebrate moms, we wanna celebrate what God is doing. And as we get ready to open up the word, uh, we wanna make sure that we have the spirit of God open our hearts, our souls, and our minds to the teaching that he wants us to hear this morning. So why don't you pray with me and we'll get ready. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift uh, that we have in, in mothers. We, we thank you for the ways that many wonderful and important people in our lives uh, nurture us and comfort us and lead us and strengthen us in, in immeasurable ways. I pray for, for all the wonderful women the, that are part of this church and a part of this community and beyond God to be encouraged today and to see the value that they carry and that they hold in your eyes. Um, I pray that they would be comforted today and, and, and enriched through your word. Father, as we continue to think thoughtfully as a church in terms of what it means for us to, to enter into a new phase, but to do so responsibly, God, we continue to ask for your wisdom and ask for your guidance. Uh, but more importantly, God, today, this morning, we ask that you would once again meet us in spirit and in truth, that you would open us up to what it means to love you, to follow you, and to serve you with all that we are. And so join us now, Father. We pray this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. Okay, September 9th, 1950, 7 p.m., The Hank McCune Show was a sitcom, and on that night, it aired for the very first time an episode with a laugh track. Okay, so it was this recorded laughter, and the idea was, hey, we don't have a live studio audience, but if we can recreate the sense of laughter, then maybe the people at home will join in. And as you might have guessed, the rest is history. From that moment on, numerous sitcoms began to use laugh tracks as a part of their productions. 
And, and it's really kind of an interesting philosophy when you think about it. We even incorporated something similar in our service just a couple of weeks ago using an iPad with sound effects and laughter. And the reason is, is because there's a psychological impact that each of us experiences when we hear laughter. Laughter is a really interesting thing to consider and a very important gift that we've been given as a part of the human experience. So, so I want to break it down for us a little bit this morning in anticipation of this text. Uh, one of the things that I came across in, in studying the idea of laughter or the, the benefits of laughter came from a Harvard, I think it was Mahoney Neuroscience Institute letter, something along those lines. It was written in 2010, and uh, it really kind of solidified what they documented were 40 years of research and studies that show you the benefits of laughter, right? So very succinctly, it tells us that laughter helps reduce stress and tension. Well, that seems to be pretty obvious, but it also boosts our immune system. It it helps uh, limit and, and control the risk of heart disease and stroke. And there are all these chemical reactions that take place in our brain. It releases dopamine, right, which is that that addictive element that we experience that kind of gives us an experience of pleasure. It, it creates a, a release of serotonin. Serotonin is what you find in a lot of antidepressants, right? So serotonin actually elevates your mood, and so laughter helps release serotonin. And then you also have this endorphin release that, that also helps you manage pain and create kind of a euphoric experience. So, so laughter is a tremendous gift. And so having said all that, I thought, man, you can't read through all those benefits and not at least want to laugh today just so you can receive those benefits. And so I, I tried to think of something that would help guarantee that you at home maybe would respond with laughter today. I didn't rely upon my jokes. I thought that was too big of a risk. I started thinking, what, what always gets me to laugh? And I, I started thinking about the simple truth is, is that when I hear other people laugh, I tend to laugh as well. And so one of my favorite things to watch is to watch news anchors lose their composure on a broadcast with laughter. And so we did some research. We found a few video clips. Um, We put together a little compilation. Let's watch this together and hopefully get a good laugh. But check out this peekaboo cat. I'm crying. She is crying, like literally. I'm going to go ahead and read this. You want me read this? I'll go ahead and read this. Some people crumble. Under funny cat videos. <laughs> Jack in a box. Pop goes the weasel. Can you read it? I don't want to read it. I want to sit here and listen to you laugh. It's much more entertaining. We've this like three times. We are so going to get drunk. Look out, we got a lash. We got a lash, y'all. The video was posted on Facebook. The pup has been seen around town doing this. That is hilarious. (laughs) The boss. (laughs) It's time for the annual World's Ugliest Dog Competition. Oh, my word. What happened to that? The winner gets $1,500. Organizers say it's not about making fun of the ugly job, but it's a way to showcase pets that don't meet the traditional standards of beauty. I'm not laughing at the pets, I'm laughing at Bob's reaction. So, shout out to 
market song for us. <laughs> Clear skies. <laughs> oh, in the 60s up north, in 70s up north. <laughs> i got to get through this. Uh, temperatures, uh, 80s in the southern part of the state tomorrow. <laughs> Chance for here's the forecast. Just kind of check it out as we go. Oh, 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 partly cloudy, 60, uh, 65 at eight o'clock in the morning. There may be a shower. Miss Taylor is being played by Stockard Channing, mm -hmm. and Marlon Brando is being played by Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> coming right back <laughs> oh man i love that last one that one gets me every time i had so much fun re researching that this week uh i watched too many too many hours honestly of clips of news anchors losing it on set and it just was great um so hopefully you got a laugh out of that and we all feel the benefits of laughter now in order for us to appreciate the text this morning i want to break down a, a better a better question which is what is it that makes us laugh Right? And so the assumptions are that it takes a, a comedian, it takes a, a great joke that's going to elicit laughter. Where I came across this article in Psychology Today that was written back in 2016, and it was a pretty extensive study on different laughing episodes in different areas and, and segments of society to really kind of come away with some scientific conclusions about laughter and what causes it. And interestingly enough, in that study, only 10 to 20% of the episodes that they observed really were a result of laughter generated by a joke or, or a, a, a particular incident. And so what we really typically find are some other elements that, yes, can be found in a great joke, but really can just happen in life that gets us to laugh. The first is that it's unexpected, right? So that's the idea of a punchline, right, is that it comes with, with a delivery or a truth or a statement that you didn't expect. The reason we laugh at news anchors laughing is because we expect them to be composed and professional and appropriate, and it just kind of becomes somewhat comical when they lose that sense of composure. The other thing that we know about laughter is that it's contagious, right? It's, it's actually part of the endorphin release that goes on in your brain. Forbes magazine put together an article in 2017 that described it as like this endorphin domino effect. So it's just like yawning. Right? When you see someone yawn, your brain tells you that maybe you need to as well. The same thing happens with laughter. You see someone laugh and, and your brain automatically starts saying, man, I, I should maybe laugh as well, which is why we can laugh at people and not even know why we're laughing because they're laughing, right? It just, it just creates that domino effect. And the third thing that typically creates it is that it's social, right? It, what was interesting in that study from psychology today is that the opportunity to laugh or the likelihood that somebody laughs decreases 30 times when they're found in isolation, right? So, so the more we're isolated or by ourselves, the less likely we are to laugh. I discovered the irony of this not too long ago. Several years ago, I was on this group text and we would often talk about LOL. And I, somebody would say something funny and I would text LOL to let them know that I thought it was funny. And yet the irony was I would text LOL, but I hadn't actually laughed. And so we changed part of our discussion to say LLOL for literally laughed out loud for those moments that we actually laughed out loud. And so the point is, is that a lot of times in a text conversation, we'll say something's funny without actually having laughed. And so typically what happens is that we need to be in a social setting. The reason the news anchors get 
kind of fired up there is because they know they're not just with each other, but in front of a whole audience. And so laughter is actually a signal to other people. And so it needs to be found in, in kind of a social dynamic. Why in the world am I going to all this detail of laughter? Well, for a couple reasons. I think when you consider the context that we're in, right, the climate that we're in, in an era that, that literally is being clouded by a global pandemic, there's no doubt that there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of concern. There's a lot of angst that exists out there. What I think is so powerful about laughter is that it is this one moment, this one glimpse that we have in life that is truly free from any fear, free of any concern, free of any pain. It is such a gift. And it's something I think we all can use right now, right? It's something that, that can benefit us. But the reality is, is that I don't want us just to have a momentary experience of it. What, what I believe this passage is gonna teach us today is how do we continue to face those moments of concern and worry and angst and fear, not just with a momentary response that gives us a glimpse of being set free from those things. How do we cultivate a lifestyle? How do we cultivate a lifestyle of that freedom, of that sort of confidence, that sort of uh, ability to face anything without that sort of concern and to still find joy? That's what I want us to consider this morning. We're actually gonna take a break from the book of Ephesians for this particular message, for this Mother's Day. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 31. Now we're only going to look at one verse today. So uh, I know it's, it's taken a while for us to get to the, to the passage, but don't worry, it's a succinct verse. It's a simple teaching, but I, I wanna give some context to this, this verse before we actually read it. Proverbs 31 concludes with a poem, a poem that is often referred to as uh, the Proverbs 31 woman or the Proverbs 31 wife. And, and the reason it's listed that way is because the poem begins with that opening line, a wife of noble character who can find. And I would argue it's probably one of the more well-known pieces of, of scripture that you find in the book of Proverbs. Um, but it's something that I think really makes or demands uh, appropriate consideration this morning for us to appreciate the verse that we're going to look at. When you have an initial reading of Proverbs 31 in this poem, it really describes a, a very powerful picture of, of a woman, right? A wife of noble characters, the way it's described. And, and you have this description of this woman of virtue who really has a tremendous impact in her home and in the community at large. She, she has her hands in several industries, not just in home with family, but also with business and also with outreach to the needs of the community, right? It's a really powerful picture. And the reason it's so powerful is that even just with that initial reading, you can see that it stands in a sharp contrast to the narrative of the day, right? So much of what we find in, in the ancient past and in biblical times is a strong sense of patriarchy, where women were often seen as as really almost a possession, really kind of seen as valuable based on their charm or their appearances. And so Proverbs 31 comes rushing in, this poem comes rushing in and, and explodes this idea that, that women are so much more than just an appearance, right? They, they have the ability to be valued in every arena of life. So it elevates the significance of women, right? As a whole. And, and so that's such a beautiful thing to find in God's scriptures over and over again, the way it exalts and, and affirms the importance and the value and the worth of women. 
Now, that being said, you read through this poem and you think, that's, that's pretty hard to attain. Those are some pretty lofty goals and that's a pretty hard measuring stick to, to have right there. And so that's what really should prompt us to have a, not just a preliminary reading, but a more thorough and thoughtful reading about what this poem is really pointing to. And part of what we're going to see is that Proverbs 31 in this closing poem is not really confined to just a, a set of standards that, that men might use to, to uh, describe the ideal wife or that women might use as something to strive to. What we really have here is the personification of wisdom, right? That's, that's more true to the context of the book of Proverbs because throughout the book of Proverbs, we see uh, these, these writings that personify not just lady wisdom, but also the problem of folly, right? You have lady wisdom who calls out in the streets. You have the, the adulteress that tims you into poor decision-making. And so what Proverbs 31 is really about is wisdom, right? That, that's what's being described. It's personified because when you personify it in such a way, it brings it out of the abstract and into the concrete. It brings it into practical realities. Here's what wisdom looks like in everyday life. Here's how it impacts the home and businesses and relationships and charity and all these different things. And so with that being stated, what we're going to look at today, this, this verse today is, yes, by all means, an affirmation of women and, and ladies in our lives and something for, for them to aspire to, but it's really for all of us, right? This, this gives us an example of how do we uh, possess a wisdom and, and put it into practice in a way that is applicable for all people in all situations and all scenarios. And so with that being said, we're going to look at one simple verse this morning that I think is so appropriate, not just for Mother's Day, but really for the climate that we all find ourselves in today. It comes from Proverbs 31, verse 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. So as you might have guessed or anticipated, it's the second part of this verse that really kind of drew me in. And when I was thinking about something a little bit more special and specific for Mother's Day, I kept thinking about that verse. She laughs at the days to come. We, we have a gift that a friend gave us not too long ago, uh, really gave to Jennifer, and it's just this, this great little artwork uh, that we can hang on our, our wall, and it just simply says, she laughs. And it's in reference to this verse, and it's such a great picture uh, of the, the power and, and the gift it is that when we can have a la- life that's filled with laughter and, and the kind of perception that that creates and the picture that that creates for us. And I kept coming back to it because it's not just that she laughs, it's that she laughs the days to come. And I thought, man, how appropriate for all of us, right? That's what wisdom allows us to do. It, it helps us understand how do we laugh at the days to come? How do we still find joy? How do we still find that freedom? You think about where we are right now as a society, where we are right now as people. And when we stop and we give consideration to the days to come, it can be very daunting, right? A lot of it centers around this virus that continues to just have a massive impact around the world. A lot of times we, we have our attention drawn towards these, these figures and these these data points that continue to fill our news feeds and our, our TV screens. We know that in our country alone, more than 70,000 people have lost their lives as a result of this virus. And so when we start thinking about the days to come, we start thinking about, well, how high will that number be? What's the impact going to look like? How many people are going to get affected? What's it doing to our doctors and nurses and 
medical staff and support people that are on the front lines? Are our hospitals going to be able to sustain themselves? Is the infrastructure going to hold sure and, and secure? We have all these questions about what the days to come can look like as it relates to our health and our well-being. And then all of a sudden we see that this, this virus has a ripple effect that far goes beyond even just our understanding of our own health, right? We begin to see the ripple effect as it has its impact in the economy. Many people sitting at home right now wondering about their job security. Will they have a job in a month? Will, will that job still be there next week, tomorrow? And people beginning to wrestle with, am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to put food on the table? And those questions of the days to come aren't confined just to our own personal concerns, but we think about it collectively as a whole as we consider what is this economy going to look like? How far is it going to recess? How much of a depression will this look like? What will the rebound look like? How quickly will it occur? And we continue to question what the days to come will look like. We've had a lot of questions centered around education. Right? I know for, for my peers and, and for my family, that's probably one of the most constant conversations we have. We've had schools shut down. And so people are asking, well, what's it going to be like in the fall? Will kids be able to go back? And in what capacity? Will they have to stagger classrooms? Will they shrink classroom sizes? We, we begin to not even just worry about the logistics of it, but even just the nature of our children's education right now. Most of the children in our country missed a quarter of the school year, one-fourth of the school year. How has that impacted them educationally? What is that going to mean for next year? you got college students that are having conversations with parents about whether or not college can still be affordable, whether or not campuses are going to be open. You think about the way that we consider the days to come and how it brings to light these questions related to politics and foreign policy. All of a sudden, we are seeing a much greater understanding of just how important our local elected officials are, people that we often take for granted, but who are now seeing, uh, that we're seeing on a regular basis, help make decisions on how we're going to respond. We, we have to consider what is a country going to do? How is it going to hold a presidential election in the midst of a quarantine? How are our relationships with foreign countries going to change? What is it going to look like for us to travel internationally? Will we travel at all? Leisure activities, summer plans, sports, will they, will they happen again and will there be fans? They, church, right? It's why we talk so much about these updates at the beginning. People are going, what is church going to look like? How is it going to be different? Do I feel safe going to these places? When we stop and we think about all the questions associated with the days to come and all the uncertainty, I think many of us can acknowledge right now, it is filled with worry, with, with unknown, with uncertainty, with angst, it's, it's daunting. And so the question I want to ask you is, are you able to face all those questions? Are, are you able to take the well-being of your child's education and set it aside, the, the concerns you have of your job security, the concerns we may have about all these different what-if scenarios, and are you still able to look in the face of all that secure, all that concern, all those problems and still find freedom and confidence and joy. Can you laugh at the days to come? That's what wisdom does. Right? Wisdom gives us that perspective we need to know that no matter what season we face, we can meet it head on. Now, what I love about verse 25 is that it explains to us how to do it. Because right? that's easier said than done. Right? We, we can say wisdom helps with that, but the question is, well, well, how 
How, how do we strive towards that? And I think that's what the first part of verse 25 really speaks to. Right? It says, she clothes herself with strength and dignity. I would, I would suggest to you this morning that those are the two qualities that all of us need to strive for and really long to possess if we're going to be able to laugh at the days to come. And so let, let's first talk about strength. And, and I want to talk about it with three different nuances because when you really break down this definition, it really kind of gives you three different angles to consider. The first is, is that strength is this idea that you exert force on something else, right? That, that you leave an impact on someone else. Now, some of, some of us may stop and question whether or not we have that sort of strength, whether or not we have that sort of capability. Let me just go ahead and answer that. You do, right? All of us, are leaving some sort of impact on others. So the greater question is not, am I? The better question is, what kind of impact am I having on others? How is this strength that God has somewhat gifted to me being utilized in this climate, right? What, what does that look like? What kind of mark are you leaving on others, right? When you enter into a conversation, you enter into a room, when you enter into a relationship, are you bringing angst? Are you bringing concern? Are you bringing fear? Are you bringing timidity? Are you bringing a sense of peace? Are you bringing a sense of calm? Are you bringing a sense of hope? Are you able to encourage others, right? There's no doubt that, that we are leaving a mark. Children get so much from how they're seeing their parents react right now, right? So how we react, not just for our families, but for our communities at large, is going to say something, right? This is an opportunity for us to once again show them that we are not a place that is, that is gonna be filled with concern. We're gonna be a place that's filled with hope. So when you think about your home right now, right, is, is it met with worry or is it met with joy? Is your home filled with fragility or is it filled with strength? Right, strength exerts itself on others. Yet at the same time, the second nuance to this word is that it also withstands force that is exerted upon it. Right, so now we're talking about endurance. Now we're talking about perseverance. We're talking about being able to stand in the midst of hardship. And there's no doubt that that's something many of us have had to practice even before this pandemic began, right? When we all of a sudden encounter challenges and difficulties, strength is what allows us to have the fortitude to remain standing, right? So this is that picture of that couple that grows closer together when one of them faces cancer. It, this is that picture of that family that draws together when, when somebody loses their job. It's, it's that picture of that, that heart and that soul that is able to find hope, that is able to find peace, that is able to find understanding and comfort in the face of grief, right? That's the sort of perseverance that all of us need to aspire to. And we know that that's one of the benefits of going through hardship. It produces perseverance, and that perseverance gives us an opportunity to demonstrate the wisdom that God so freely gives us. So it's not just about exerting and leaving a mark, it's about withstanding the forces that come against us. Now, the third nuance to this definition isn't just about what we exert and what we withstand, but it's having the ability to do whatever is necessary to move forward. And I love that. You know, you think about uh, what this pandemic has taught us, uh, or at least reminded us, I hope many of us knew this already, which is life is filled with twists and turns, right? Detours that none of us anticipated. We, we want to be able to script out our lives and plan it a certain way, and we can't, right? And so what strength does is it absorbs those detours, right? It, it takes on those hits, and, and it then 
takes that, absorbs that shock and says, okay, now I'm gonna do whatever is necessary to move forward, right? So this is that picture of that family that says, okay, we lost the job. It doesn't seem like we're gonna be able to put food on the table, but we will, right? This is that, that couple that says, all right, I've, I've had to be the recipient of, of all these false accusations, all these injustices, and I'm gonna adapt and I'm going to adjust and I'm gonna rise above it. I'm gonna overcome, right? This is the opportunity for us to, to take anything that was unexpected, anything that we couldn't have imagined. And just when we begin to get hit over and over again, and we think we have nothing left within us that can help us stand, we remain standing. That's strength. So my question for you this morning is, do you have that sort of strength in your life? Do you have that ability to, to leave that mark on others in a positive way, to withstand the hardships that maybe you're facing and to have that resolve to do whatever it takes to continue to move forward. We're gonna have to have strength if we're gonna be able to laugh at the days to come. Now, the next part of this verse is that we're not just clothed with strength, we're clothed with dignity. And what I love about dignity is the way in which it complements strength. It's an interesting word when you really begin to study it because it's a word that actually is often used to describe God and his character. It often kind of has this connotation of splendor and glory and majesty and in some of those terms. It's this idea of something that elicits awe, right? Some beauty. It's this adornment, right? This beautiful quality. And so that's why a lot of times it's attached with God. When we bring it more into the human sphere and in human relationships, now we have connotations that speak to nobility, right? This idea of, of excellent moral character and in this idea that you conduct yourself in a way that garners respect. So that, that's the best way for us to understand it. And the reason I think that's so important is because how, how that word complements strength. Because the reality is, is that you can have strength and not have dignity, right? You, you can um, exert your influence on others, you, you can withstand hardship and you can find all these different resources to overcome challenges and you can leave a wake of destruction in your path, right? You, you, can, you can pull others down as you try to pull yourself up, right? And so it's not just about having strength, right? Because when we just have strength, a lot of times that can turn into the name calling, the resentment, the finger pointing, the casting blame, just so that we ourselves can survive. So it's not enough to have strength. We have to have strength with dignity. It's not just having strength. It's how you utilize it. And dignity speaks to character, right? It speaks that you carry yourself in a way that garners respect. This is a term that's going to drive us back into those critical biblical principles, right, that we see taught over and over again. So when your relationships are tested in whatever capacity, right, and you have that urge to, to respond in, in a hurtful way or a less than pleasing way, what we are reminded of with dignity and what wisdom teaches us is that we respond with grace. We respond with forgiveness, not with resentment and revenge. Why? Because people matter. Relationships matter, right? When, when we have our financial security tested and, and it's really put there in our hands to, to once again show what we really value and what we really find stability in, we are given an opportunity. And what dignity shows us is, and what wisdom teaches us is that we should never find value in the wealth of our finances, but in the wealth of our character, right? In the wealth of, of our faith. 
That's where we find true value. When you think about even having a virus spreading around that can threaten the, the sense of security for your own life, right? What dignity teaches and what wisdom teaches is that in those moments, we have an opportunity to once again declare that we're not living for this life, but the life that is to come, right? Our, our hope and our view is from an eternal perspective, not a temporary one, right? And when we begin to conduct ourselves in that way, I guarantee you it makes life more beautiful. That's dignity. And so that's the other question you have to ask yourself this morning. Do you live your life in such a way that garners respect? There's, There's no doubt that we have all been placed in this crazy set of circumstances that are going to test us, that are going to try us, that are going to challenge us. But I assure you, church, if we clothe ourselves with strength, and with dignity, we'll be able to rise up and laugh at the days to come. Now, that all sounds hopefully very encouraging, but I want to conclude for a moment by, by giving you some very practical ways to pursue this. Right? The first is this, pour into the scriptures. Right? Truly just dive into God's word. Let, let his word and his truth saturate your mind and your heart and your soul. Let it be what frames your perspective, the lens with which you see this world. Let him shape your values. Let him shape your understanding of truth. Pour into the word of God like never before. I know that might seem obvious, but we have to continue to remind ourselves of the essentialness of God's word and encourage one another to do it. That's the only way that I know that we can truly begin to clothe ourselves with strength and dignity and live out this wisdom piece that we see in Proverbs 31. Now, the other part that I wanna try to make a connection to is this idea of of doing so in community, right? So the reason I went into great detail to explain how laughter works was to really try to accentuate this idea that it really only takes place in the context of community, right? One of the greatest triggers for laughter is not a joke, but another person, right, in sharing life with that person, that it's, it's contagious, it influences another, it encourages another, it's going to be what brings it out in us. And so the point is this, if we truly want to be able to laugh at the days to come, we're not going to be able to do any of this alone. We have to do it together, right? We, we weren't designed to go through these seasons alone. We weren't designed to, to try to manage things on our own, right? To, to live this out We have to pull together in innovative ways and in creative ways, but we have to do it. And so pick up a phone and call someone, right? Send them a letter, reach out to them, encourage them, pray for them. Tell them that you love them. Find a reason to laugh together, right? And and doing that, creating that sense of community, creating that sense of strength is going to provide for us everything that we see described here. It's gonna help clothe ourselves with strength and dignity and help us to laugh at the days to come because we know we're not doing it alone, but we're doing it together. The final thing that I would hopefully encourage you with this morning is going to try to merge what we've read today in Proverbs 31 with some of the things we've discussed in our, in our journey through Ephesians. You know, when we, when we hit Ephesians 4, we took a shift Right? We, we kind of started looking at more of the practical applications that Bahal wanted his church to know. But those first three chapters, as I've told you before, were, were the theology that drives the instruction. 
right? Because of what God has done in Christ, now live this way. The same can be said for Proverbs 31. If we truly wanna be able to laugh at the days to come, if we truly wanna be able to clothe ourselves with strength and dignity, we need to remember what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, right? And as you remember some of the things we've already discussed in that letter, it's a reminder to each of us that God has truly blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That, that in and of itself is remarkable. And so on a daily basis, we need to pray those prayers that we find in that first part of the letter to the church in Ephesus, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would see the hope that has been given to us in Christ Jesus and to fully take it in and appreciate it, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened and aware of his mighty power that exists and works throughout each and every one of us. This power is described as his mighty strength, the same strength that God exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the heavenly realms. We have a savior that is above all rule, all authority, all dominion. We have a savior who has been given a name that is greater than any name that could be evoked in this age or the age to come. This Jesus is alive and his spirit courses through each one of you and courses through this church and allows us to face any challenge, any difficulty, any circumstance with freedom and confidence and hope and joy and wisdom. It's because of Jesus and the fact that he walks with us down any path, down every path. It's because this Jesus lives in our heart that we are able to once again see that Jesus clothes us with strength. He clothes us with dignity and he allows us to laugh at the days to come. So let us celebrate that truth this morning, church, and give him the praise and glory he so richly deserves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this gospel. We thank you for this truth. And we admit our weaknesses, we admit our needs, and ask God that you would clothe each and every one of us with strength and dignity. God, allow our thoughts allow our decisions to be guided by your sacred wisdom that allows us to look into the days that lie ahead, free of concern, free of worry, and once again being able to experience the joy and the comfort that comes with laughter, that comes with what it means to be in your presence. I thank you for this sacred day that we get a chance to worship you. I thank you for the opportunity that we've had today to to remember the women in our lives and ask that they too would continue to be an example of what we've read today. But more importantly, God, that as your body, as your church, and a world that so desperately needs to see it, may we rise up and once again show that through Christ, we can once again find the joy and the freedom that only he provides and offer that same joy and freedom to the world that so desperately needs it. We love you, Father, and we pray this all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. And amen.